Hi, and welcome to Procedure Ready OBGYN, a podcast aimed at helping you excel during your clinical clerkship in OBGYN. My name is Dr. Jennifer Dory. I'm an assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and former resident at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. I'm the founder of Procedure Ready, a collection of resources aimed to advance your clinical medical education. Let's get started. Hey guys, today we're going to be talking about your OBGYN survival guide, all my best tips and tricks for starting your OBGYN clerkship. So the goal of this podcast is going to be to talk about the best tips and tricks, the best resources you guys need for honoring your clerkship, and go through some of the most common questions that I get from students about the clerkship and how to do well. So first we'll start with resources, right? This is one of the first questions people ask on the first day. What are the best resources to help me do well from day one? So um, it, for OBGYN, a lot of what you guys are going to be focusing on anatomically is going to be in the pelvis. So we're really going to focus on pelvic anatomy for this rotation. There can be some exceptions for things like surgical complications or positioning in the OR and things. We're going to be thinking about nerve anatomy that travels into the legs and things like that. But for the vast majority of things, we are going to be talking about the pelvis. Um So in order to kind of synthesize, help you synthesize all that anatomy and put it into what you need to know, rather than going through system-based approach, which you guys have done in your first um, few non-clinical years of medical school, like netters and things like that, which are great, there are a few places that really put together some of the basic anatomy that you're going to need for OBGYN, particularly surgically. Um, during surgery is probably the most common time you'll get asked about anatomy um, and, you know, quote unquote, pimped on your different um, relevant anatomic structures. Um, So there are some really great YouTube videos for the visual learners like me um, who want to put all of those things together and kind of overlay them in the way that is the most relevant to OBGYN. So if you Google Procedure Ready um, YouTube, you should come up with my um, YouTube playlist. You can also go to ProcedureReady.com and then link out from there to the YouTube playlist. But it goes through a bunch of um, the best videos for reviewing these things. Um, There is a professor of OBGYN. um, I don't know where he is right now, but he did a couple videos many years ago that I watched when I was in medical school um, and found super helpful and still think are some of the best ones out there. I check every few years. um, And those are linked on my um, YouTube channel for um, running you through the most relevant anatomy for like hysterectomies or for laparoscopy and for those things. Um, And really kind of synthesizes the biggest things to do with those procedures um, visually for you. Obviously, going back to Netters or um, another good basic textbook like um, uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology by Beckman is another big one are also super useful. Um, but the YouTube videos and things like that are short. They're bite-sized. You can watch them six times until you really feel like you got them down. So I really like short, digestible things like that and podcasts, obviously, because I think they're really good educational tools. Um If you're already thinking ahead to your um, shelf and study resources for your shelf, go ahead and register for UIs. That is the question bank that your uh, medical school should get you access to through ACOG um, and APCO. Those are the two big um, associations for OBGYN nationally. They make practice questions. Same group that writes the MBME test um, writes these UIs questions, and they're kind of vetted to make sure they're in line with the actual exam. So UWISE is a really good resource. Your medical school should get you free access. Um, UWorld and NBME also have great options, but they cost money. Um, 
but are really good adjuncts to UIs. In my personal opinion, UIs is really specific. So it is not um, surprising if you get like 50% on UIs. Make sure you're understanding the nuances that they're trying to show you between, for example, a threatened abortion um, and an inevitable, abor- inevitable abortion. Those are the kinds of things that the um, shelf will nitpick on. And UIs is getting real specific to make sure you understand the difference. And so you can crush your, your, um, your MBME shelf exam. If you are interested in surgery, another really good um, thing to do for the rotation is to go on Amazon or your preferred online shopping uh, vendor of choice and get a little surgery kit at home. Um, These are surgical instruments that are not as robust or often um, sterilizable like our actual surgical instruments, but also not 200 bucks a piece. Um, You can get a decent surgery kit usually for under 20 bucks with a needle driver and some pickups um, and sometimes even like a silicone mold for you to practice throwing suture and not tying and things like that. Being comfortable, even with simple things like cutting suture, um, is a great way to start um, to impress people on your rotation. These are things you can usually bring, have in your workroom during different parts of the rotation. Also, again, just demonstrating you're working on stuff. You're trying to um, gain the skills you would need to go into this field, even if you don't have a whole lot of interest. If you know you don't want to do anything procedural, skip it. Spend your time on your books and getting good at other stuff. Um, It probably is not essential if you're not interested in something potentially procedural. All right. So that um, is a lot of the online stuff. Let's get to the phone and app stuff. This is the stuff you're going to carry with you all day, every day, right on your mobile device, um, tablet, whatever you got. And you can bring up to answer questions while you're actually going between patients on the wards, wherever you are. So some of my favorite apps that I literally use on almost a daily basis, um, I really like Brainscapes for flashcard decks. It has a algorithm in it that if you tell the app that you know a card, it's not going to show it to you as often as a card that you tell it you don't know. And so this is allowing you for um, enhanced targeted repetition to actually increase your knowledge as opposed to having to see everything and then having a false sense of confidence that you know things because you're just not seeing the things you don't know as often. Um, Brainscapes is going to be the home, the new home for the procedure-ready OBGYN um, question bank as well. It currently has its own app, but it's been it's gotten too um, cumbersome, honestly, to uh, keep up with and to keep having developers update. So we are moving it over to Brainscapes. um, And so you'll be able to find the procedure ready um, flashcard apps there um, with um, all the different clerkship um, stuff, all the different clerkships available, essentially. All right. So um, another really good uh, resource up to date. A lot of you guys, and before you go purchase any of these resources, check first with your uh, medical school um, health sciences library. A lot of these you can get through your medical school for free on your phone. Um, Sometimes you have to VPN to them or whatever, but a lot of times they'll get you a free subscription while you're in med school. So when I was in med school, I got free up to date on my phone. I got free Hippocrates um, for medications and medication interactions um, and a bunch of other things. So check there before you buy anything. But um, up-to-date is good for literally everything. Every um, clinical question you could have up-to-date is going to be a really good starting point for answering that clinical question. Hippocrates, like I said, um, great for medication, medication interactions, and contraindications and things like that. Good RX. Now, this is not one that is going to um, teach you a whole lot as a medical student, but it will teach you a lot as a future doctor and just a human. A lot of people in this country um, do not have good medication coverage. And as a medical student, you are so often the first line for these people. You are the 
most approachable and you um, often get to spend more time with them than um, the residents or even the attendings. So as a medical student, I got often pulled aside by um, a patient when I was just going to check in on them in the afternoon and say, hey, I can only afford probably two of these four medications you guys telling me are absolutely necessary. Which two should I buy? Um, and those are chances for actually like human to human conversations, not medical student to patient conversations, but helping them navigate the healthcare system in America teaches you a lot about the healthcare system. And also I think really helps you have a different um, take on empathy and helping get people the care that they need. So GoodRx was one of my resources for these kinds of conversations. It is a... Um, a um, coupon-based platform that helps people afford medications much cheaper and also tells them which pharmacies are going to provide them with that medication cheaper. A lot of people pick pharmacies based on just random convenience or things like that, and they don't realize that some pharmacies are going to charge twice as much for the same medication as another location. Um, so they can put in their, um, they can download the app or you can download the app and you can show them and print out coupons for patients, or you can um, just show them how to do it. But they put in the, the medication they need, the location, their rough like zip code, and then how much they need. And it'll tell them the coupon price for people who don't have um, pharmacy coverage or who have really high deductible plans and won't be able to afford their pharmacy coverage. Um, this is just good, I think, generally to have. It also gives you an idea of how expensive medications are that you're asking patients to take. Um, oftentimes, I use it for things like... Um, if patients want a specific birth control um, that I know that we know isn't going to be covered by their insurance or things like that, if people need to pre-purchase birth control to go abroad for a few months and their insurance won't cover it, this can be a really nice option for getting additional month supplies of things like that where you just have to pay you know out of pocket, but it gives you a coupon that at least makes it a little bit more affordable. All right, that was good RX. Um, next one is Lactmed. Um, this is a really good free NIH-based app for medication safety and breastfeeding. Um, there's an even better one, in my opinion, nowadays called Infant Risk, but Infant Risk does cost money. Um, I think it's like 10 bucks a year. Um, so if you're going to go into anything related to obstetrics, pediatrics, or you're just going to be um, the family, the only family member with medical knowledge and you know family members are going to be asking you about this stuff, it's a really good option to have. Um, so you can check up the safety of medications both during pregnancy and during breastfeeding. Um, and it, it's really um, patient-friendly to use. I often just pull it up on my phone and show it to patients when they have questions about stuff. The um, interface is super friendly for both providers and for patients. Um, a couple specialty-specific things within – so if you are going to be in a clinic that does a lot of menopause care, there's a really great free app called MenoPro, M-E-N-O-P-R-O. This one goes through a lot of the treatment options for symptom-specific relief during menopause. If you're going to be in a clinic that does a lot of colposcopy, like we run our own specific colposcopy clinic, procedure clinic stuff, um, the ASCCP app, which is for cervical cancer screening. Um, again, this costs money. You can download the um, PDFs for free from their website, but the app costs money. But there you're able to plug in the patient's age, their prior pap history, and that'll give you a customized algorithm-based answer to what their next screening modality should be. Should they get a colposcopy? Should they get a leap? Should they just get another pap in 12 months or in two years or maybe five years? It walks you through all of that stuff based on the most updated data. Um, the next app is for STIs, so sexually transmitted infections. The CDC has an STI guidelines app. This app is wonderful. One, because it just walks you through all the different STI treatments. But as you all know, or are, we'll learn soon, things change and things that I, that haven't changed in 20 years that I took for granted that I learned in medical school and thought, check, 
got it, won't change. Like for example, um, chlamydia treatment. Chlamydia treatment, as long as I have been um, an adult female, has been um, one gram of azithro. The CDC has recently changed it. There are um, up and coming resistance um, issues in terms of treatment resistance. Um, and so that recommendation has now changed to doxycycline. If I didn't have this app on my phone and didn't routinely use it to show medical students how to pull this stuff up, I honestly probably would have been a little bit delayed in realizing that change in recommendation because um, I didn't see a push out of the information. So I keep these apps both for your education, but also for my own. Um, so it's great. And then if I haven't treated something in a while, I go in and check. Sometimes the dosing recommendations have changed. Nowadays, a lot of things are getting weight-based treatments because our patient weight distributions are changing. Things like that, that it's just great to have at a fingertip um, when you need them rather than having to sit down at your computer, log in, and then try to go look it up. Similarly, the CDC has a, a birth control um, app, which is called the CDC MEC slash SPR, so which stands for the Medical Eligibility Criteria and Selected Practice Recommendations. This walks you through um, medical conditions and contraindications to different types of birth control. So if you have a patient who comes in who has Crohn's disease or something, for example, you're like, mm, there may well be limitations on birth control because that can infect the entire digestive system and is um, prompt, like a lot of the autoimmune things are receptive to um, hormonal fluctuations. Let me check and see what things this patient is actually um, eligible for or which things are the most likely to be beneficial for this patient. You pull up your app, you go to there's, um, the selected practice recommendations and you pull up Crohn's and then you can actually go and get recommendations by specific um, medical condition, which is nice. Um, the ACOG or the American College of OBGYN has its own app and website. As a medical student, you can get free access to this for the duration of your medical school. So go in, register for this, download the app. This gives you access to all of what are, we call our practice bulletins. The practice bulletins are practice-based recommendations for certain conditions. So if you, for example, are admitting a patient with PPROM, which is preterm premature rupture of membranes on labor and delivery, you have two places you could go first. Honestly, easiest is probably if you have the app, up to date, great place to start. But if you want to get even more technical, you would go to the ACOG practice bulletin and you'd pull up this wonderful eight to 10 page document. It will walk you through all the different branch points and decision points and all the different recommendations for patients with PPROM. Um, again, these things are harder to get to if you have to like sit down at a computer, get into your website, blah, 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 which is why I'm saying just pre-register, have the app on your phone. It will be so much easier for you to access really high quality resources. The last thing I'm going to have to recommend you have on your uh, mobile device is going to be an OB wheel or a dating app for pregnancy. So if a patient comes in, you're on labor and delivery again, somebody comes into triage, they're not your patient, they haven't been seen at your hospital system, and they say, hey, my due date is June 5th. Right now it's say January. You can plug in that due date and it will tell you, okay, she's actually X number of weeks today. So now I know her gestational age. Similarly, if somebody comes in to see you in clinic and they're like, I, um, I'm here for amenorrhea or not bleeding. Um, and you're like, okay, when was your last period? And they're like three and a half months ago. You're like, oh, you could be a little bit pregnant. And you pull it into your app and you see exactly how far along they could be. Um, and it gives you an estimated gestational age for their pregnancy. Um a lot of the EMRs or the electronic medical records are doing this for you now, so it may not be quite as useful, but it's still a really good thing to have. All right, those are all, I think, of the highest yield resources for you guys. If you come across new ones that you think are invaluable for the rotation, shoot me an email um, or send me a comment and I would be happy to update it. 
All right. So the next thing we're going to do is tips and tricks for excelling, getting your teams of of um, residents and attendings and everybody to think you are just an invaluable team member, and almost and probably more importantly, getting them to write that in your dean's letter or your recommendations. So um, I think the most important thing, most important step of all of these things, is ex- expectations. Um, just like any field of medicine, OBGYNs, um, you're going to meet different personalities, people who go through things differently. As an attending now, um, I often let my chief on the service, my chief resident, run the service as they like, as long as it is not impacting patient care or things like that. I want them to get the feeling of managing their team and doing those things. So oftentimes, um, you're going to be first checking in with your chief resident. This could be a third year on some rotations, often a fourth year. Um, and you're going to ask them, what are your expectations for me? How can I be the most useful? And um, what are the types of things that are the most helpful for me to be doing? Tell me about the workflow, um, things like that. They'll usually have a preset list of things they like you to do. Um, you're going to come in at this time. Typically, you're going to round on this many patients. Here's the list, how's you, how you're going to find that. You're going to you're going to be this day, you're going to be mostly seeing triage patients. This day, you're going to be going to all the C-sections or however they run their service. Again, super site dependent and super institution dependent and then even specific resident dependent. So don't skip this step. Ask on your first day of a rotation. Obviously not if they're in the middle of something they look super busy, but at the beginning, you just say, hey, whenever you have a few minutes, I would love to talk to you about expectations to make sure I am being as helpful as I can. Um, And then you let them come to you. Perfect. All right. Then um, the next thing after you kind of have an idea of your expectations um, is to be as self-sufficient as you can, but ask for help when you're when appropriate. And I know that's a contraindication and that's hard to figure out. That is what all of your first year of clinical clerkships is kind of figuring out. But some general rules on this. If you are, for example, seeing a patient in clinic, on labor and delivery, wherever, a consult in the ER, what you're going to do first is typically pull up the patient chart, do a basic chart review, um, and then you're going to go talk to the patient, get the the HPI, your um, history of the present illness. You're going to confirm their basic relevant medical history. If you're doing a full um, H&P, that means you're going to go through all of the um, components of an H&P. If you're seeing a return prenatal, you are not going to go through all those things. Um, you're going to go through any changes since we last saw you, which is probably, you know, one to four weeks ago. So there's, you don't need to go through and confirm everything in their medical history. But in the hospital, on labor and delivery, on um, in the ER, things like that, you're going to be taking a more in-depth history. Then you're going to come back. As you're walking back to wherever you're doing your work, you're going to take a few minutes to try and synthesize your information. You're going to think about urgency. Is this urgent? Is this not urgent? Is the patient stable or not stable? If it's urgent or they're not stable, you're going to just go straight to reporting this out to your resident, whoever you're supposed to be talking to about it. If it's not, and um, it feels appropriate for the workflow, say it's not 5.30, you're supposed to be leaving, things like that, you're going to take a few minutes, sit down at your computer, and you're going to pull up up to date or the patient's chart. And you're going to go through and you're going to try your best to take a stab at making an assessment and a plan based on what you think is going on. For example, you go see a patient in the ER with um, vaginal bleeding. You've gone, you've talked to her, you think that she's having... um, maybe a miscarriage because her last period was five weeks ago and she has a positive pregnancy test. So you're going to go through and you're going to look up management of miscarriage. You're going to try and think about what things you need to be, which are important to know about miscarriage. And you're going to make your plan say, I'd like to order a CBC for her because I want to make sure she's not bleeding too much. I need to know her blood type to make sure she doesn't need Rogam. I want to make sure, um, I want to do an ultrasound to make sure this isn't actually an ectopic pregnancy. Um, I want to get a beta quant to make sure this, um, that it's appropriate for what we think, um, 
that it agrees with the ultrasound and lack of gestational sac or presence of gestational sac and those things. And if you get up one out of those five things, great. If you get three, wonderful. And if you get all five, you're ready to be an intern. So, but just starting the practice of going through, reading up to date, checking your resources, and then generating an assessment and plan is going to help you progress through your third year so much more efficiently and going to impress the rest of your team a lot faster. Um, the other way to be really proactive is to talk to the students who just finished the rotation um, or who just finished that um, subsection of the rotation. So a lot of OBGYN clerkships are split up into one week or two week blocks where you're going to be on certain services for a week or two at a time. So figuring out who is just on those services and talking to them ahead of time to kind of get the rundown, the day-to-day logistics, silly things. Do you need to bring a lunch? Is there a place to buy your lunch? Um, If I bring my lunch, is there a fridge to put it in or do I need to bring a cooler? Is there a place to put my backpack or should I not really bring anything because the team room is super cramped and there's not, if I put my backpack down somewhere, I don't have anywhere to sit anymore. These are all what feel like silly little logistics that just make you feel more prepared for what you're walking into. All right. Before leaving for the day, check in with your team for for the next day in the plan. What time should you come in? Do you want to? Are you supposed to pre round on the patients or just chart um, round, meaning not actually go into the patient room? For for example, for our obstetric patients, we don't usually send the medical students in on their own because there are the patients already being woken up by our team and the pediatrics team and the nurses and the people taking their vitals, the PCTs. It's too many people waking them up. So we typically have the medical students pre round um, or chart round first, and then actually round with their resident. So figure out what the logistics are, what the expectations. So if they say, hey, meet me at six to round, do you want me to have pre-rounded on the patient so I can tell you all about them or just have chart rounded? It'll tell you how much time you need to allow yourself to come in. Um, And then once or twice a week, ask for feedback um, whenever people have a down moment. Hey, what could I be doing better? Um, How could I be more helpful? Uh, Is there anything I'm missing um, that you think I should work on incorporating into my presentations? Things like that. This gives Um, the residents and the other evaluators for you a chance to give you quick feedback without it going in your dean's letter or going in your mid-clerkship feedback. Um, And then they get a great chance to write about how well you take feedback, you incorporate feedback, and you improve. Those are all wonderful things that we love to see on the other side in your dean's letters when you're applying for residency and things because nobody's perfect, but I want to know that you are not too proud um, to make those improvements because let me tell you, being in medicine of any kind is a learning process all the way through. And um, I still learn things every single day and I hope I never stop learning things. All right. Really quick, last thing is going to be um, one-liners for labor and delivery and GYN basics. Um, And then we're going to end this podcast and we'll get into more specifics in the next few. So real quick on labor and delivery, you're going to present every patient on labor and delivery or prenatal patients in the office. Um, Your one-liner is going to consist of the patient's age, their G's and P's, so their um, gestations and their parity, um, or the gravity and their parity, and then whether or not you got to think about whether or not they're a multiparis or they're a prim- primiparis or a nulliparis. Um, all of these are special words you're not going to hear on other clerkships, you're not going to hear in other places, um, but things to be getting used to um, for OBGYN. So, for example, a woman comes in, she's had one term delivery before, she is now 38 weeks pregnant, um, and she is um, in labor, and she is. 32 years old. So I would say I have Miss Smith. She's a 32-year-old G2 P1001, meaning she's had one term delivery before, um, at 38 weeks here with suspected labor. Um, And if I was talking about her, she, um, I've can... I've said her gestational age and all that stuff. So preterm versus term real quick. Preterm is anything deliveries less than 37 weeks. Um, 37 weeks plus is considered term. Um, And 
we'll go through your the P's and how you do all that stuff in the next podcast. All right, GYN basics. Real quick, your one-liner for that. When you talk to me about a GYN patient, I want to know their age, their G's and P's, same as labor and delivery, um, and their last menstrual period, uh, if they're on birth control, and why you're seeing them. So for example, I would say she's a, this patient is a 32-year-old, um, say she's had two kids before, G2P2, LMP um, of January 1st, and her currently using um, a Mirena IUD for birth control. She is here to talk about IUD removal and reinsertion as it's been her full eight years. Um, that would be sort of your full one-liner. Another really quick thing for GYN, if you're talking about bleeding, we usually quantify bleeding in terms of pads per, pads or tampons per hour, if you can. Um, it's hard to quantify volumes of liquids. Um, and so we quantify with pads and tampons per hour. So we worry about people who bleed more than two pads or tampons per hour for two hours. That's a heavy amount of bleeding if they're truly saturating those pads and tampons. Um, last thing I didn't say, your LMP refers to the first day of your last menstrual period, um, not the middle day, not the last day, but the first day of your last menstrual period. Um, so that is an important uh, nitpicky thing to note. All right, that is all I got. So before your first day, or if you've already had your first day, get to work downloading all these different apps so you have them all on your um, mobile device and having everything at your fingertips so that everything gets a lot um, easier for you. All right, that is all I got. So before your first day on Clerkship, or if you've already had it, um, go ahead and get to work downloading all these different apps so you have all your resources at your fingertips. Don't forget to set expectations with each different um chief or upper um, level resident who's going to be running your different services as you switch from service to service um, and follow along for the rest of the tips and tricks and all the rest of the podcast. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Procedure Ready OBGYN. Hope you found today's podcast helpful. Don't forget to subscribe below, rate the podcast and leave me a review. Your reviews seriously make my day every time. Have you done your pediatrics rotation yet? We just launched a new Clerkship Ready Pediatrics podcast to help. We're always looking for new collaborators. If you know a phenomenal medical educator who should make a Procedure Ready or Clerkship Ready podcast for their specialty, pass along your information and we'll see if they want to collaborate. Finally, check us out at ProcedureReady.com for more helpful resources like our flashcard deck and our YouTube playlist.